Welcome to SelfDiscoveryMedia.com, where we discover the communities that are making a difference in the lives of others. Our self-discovery is something we are all making on our life's journey. Here you will find the people that will be your guidance, that will be your inspiration, that will be there for you in support on your journey of life. Do enjoy. Our next show is... Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of our Mental Health Awareness, right here on selfdiscoverymedia.com. I am your host, Sarah Troy, and my guest, a New Zealander that now resides in uh, the U.S., is Michelle Hardwood Lang. Her daughter suffers from reactive attachment disorder. Now, I have not heard what that is, and we're going to find out what it's all about today. But the treatments that were advocated for were not treatments that Michelle wanted to go down the road with. So despite her daughter's disability, she decided to become a certified health life coach to create a platform and a coaching experience for special need kids like her and their parents. And she's found her purpose to fulfill and understanding children and families, and in addition, bringing support um, to the respite care of the parents that live through all of this on a daily basis. So let's discover what uh, reactive detachment, attachment disorder is all about, and this journey that's taken Michelle, because it, it guided her. She had no choice in this. This was one that was given to her and said, by the way, this is your calling. This is your path, whether you like it or not, and here you go. So welcome to the show, Michelle. Thank you. It's wonderful to be here. I always say that there's something that taps us on the shoulders that puts us on our path. You know, this is the path you're meant to take. And it generally comes through some form of experience, whether it's our own personal experience or whether, as in your case, an experience of your child that's put you on the path of what you're doing here today. But what is this reactive detachment or attachment disorder? Because I'm not quite sure what it's about. Reactive attachment disorder is a mental health disorder for children who have experienced extreme amounts of trauma. And what happens for them is they become disassociated from the relationships that they have in life, whether it be a parent or other family members or children, and how it manifests itself. It's different for every child, particularly for my daughter. It's, it's anger, it's distrust and you have to understand what they've experienced in their eyes people have come and gone they've experienced an exorbitant amount of abuse um, type trauma in several different ways and abandonment and so for them to trust somebody who's caring for them is very difficult to see mm. and the lenses through which they see um, they'll trust a stranger over them trusting you so they become very angry dis angry dis Mm -hmm. agitated, disassociated with the world around them. And it's very difficult to know when they are going to have an episode because it's mm -hmm. very episodic. They can live very normal lives and from the outside in look like very normal children. But emotionally for them, a really brief explanation, I probably, that would be more visual, would be from the moment that they started to have the trauma to the moment that it ended, they're emotionally stuck in that world. Yeah. And when they start the healing process, they're still at the age that they began to have that trauma. So for them, uh, it could be if it started between two and four, 
and ended at five, then their emotional mentality is at that five-year-old stage. So for them to cope with life is not the same as anybody else. And they could be nine when they get to a place of starting healing. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, you know, what is trauma? It is something that's happened to you at whatever particular age. And whenever you get triggered, you're going to go back to that space and time of when mm -hmm. that trauma happened, no matter what age you are. So if it's happening to a child, then that child is going to go back to that space and they're totally ill-equipped to deal with it. And they're not going to even remember any of the skills or the tools that they've learned further on and bring it back to that stage because they're back there in the trauma. And that's they why are. trauma it's is traumatic because it takes you back there. It does every, every single day. Mm -hmm. it, it takes me, it might be a word, a tone of voice, the way somebody looks. I mean, the other dynamic for kids like this is they suffer from PTSD as well. Yes. So yeah. for them, life is very, very different. And it boils down to how do you give them a message when you give them structure, discipline, and routine, which is very much core to and central to what these kids need. Mm -hmm. Yes. May I ask how she came about this trauma? She came about the trauma because her family life, her family dynamic was very dysfunctional. Uh, she had parents that were abusive and neglectful. And so the state stepped in and they became a ward of the state. And I was contacted to see if I would be able to help support these children. And it was a four to six year path that we've been doing this. I adopted her about 18 months ago and we're on the path of healing and trying to find ways to manage her care, her trauma as she tries to understand what's happening to her, which is very difficult for her. She's nine years old now and this yeah. started when she was two. And of course, when she's two, there is no um, understanding what's happening to her. It's just the terror of mm -hmm. what's happening to her. She knows it doesn't feel good and then she doesn't feel safe, um, but she doesn't know why. That's right. She doesn't know why. And even now she still doesn't know why. Safety for her is um, just people being consistent in her life. Yeah. And understanding that there's something going wrong and trying to find the language to speak what's happening to her. And even then that's difficult for her because it's, there's something happening, mom, but I don't know how to tell you. Sometimes it's, I think it's for her, it's the other side of the trauma of being so scared that she's still in that moment that if she dares to say anything, you know, we have yeah. to work through that process of her having courage and, and, and appreciation that there's somebody there to catch her and what she's feeling is okay and normal. Right. Now, you know, Learning to trust mom, especially a mom who's chosen her, you know, who is who has come along realizing the risks and realizing what you're up against, but still mm -hmm. has chosen her, at some point will register with her. Um, but, you know, she knows you're there for her. But, you know, the handling of school, the handling of other kids, and we know that kids can be so cruel to one another. And, you know, it can trigger at any time, you know, a memory, um, a feeling, that might not be anything to do with what happened to her when she was that young, but still it's, it's the same feeling that's conjured up. How does she cope with things then? Or, you know, you're not there. So that must be kind of rather worrisome. It is worrisome, but we, 
what we've done is we've given her an opportunity to find coping skills that will, when she's having a difficult time, will help her to move away from having an event where she might be disruptive to other people, meaning she's going to get angry and upset because she doesn't understand what's going on. Mm -hmm. She's just having an event. She's having an episode. So that's when using alternative methods of care came in because I didn't want to have her to just go pop a pill in her no. mouth. No, it's just and dumbing him down, isn't it? It's not it deep is. to the root of the problem. Mm. It, it doesn't get to the root of the problem. No. And when I started the journey of becoming a health and life coach, um, before that even me taking that step of doing that, I was doing some research because I myself was wondering the question of how is it every time I start something new and I get excited about it, within about three weeks, there's what I now know is limited thinking. Mm -hmm. I knew it wasn't, I intuitively knew it was there, but how do I solve the problem? So I started doing research for myself and working on experimenting about what that was about and learning and growing through that. And I realized if the bottom line is subconsciously, we have these memories, these principles that give us limited thinking, what could it do for my daughter? Yeah. What could we do from the inside out? And I started oh. to think differently about her healing process. We could heal her from the inside out. So I looked into tapping. I looked into mm. positive affirmations and meditation with positive affirmations so that when she gets to a place where it's difficult, she can tap in those areas where one, it's not noticeable for to anybody else. Right. And it will help her to bring up her positive vibrations and feel comfort because of the affirmations we're getting her to tap through. Right. And tapping is wonderful. It really is. And it is something you can do anywhere, anytime. And, you know, I've been in public where, um, you know, something has come on and I wanted to tap and I kind of, you know, a little bit too much of this because I'm in a close proximity. So I did mm -hmm. it mentally. I did it in my mind, hitting all the points and it calmed me right down. So tapping is, is, really a wonderful medium and you know for people who don't know about tapping it's kind of hitting certain points and redirecting the language to the brain which then calms the body down which is a, a wonderful medium to do and can be done anywhere at any time they don't need anything other than just hitting those points and speaking the language uh, of tapping which is addressing the problem and the saying although i have the problem i'm releasing it um yeah agree it's, um, it's a really wonderful medium and, you know, as there are so many others, but that's a really good one to have. Um, um, I've got a, a voice at the back of my head is saying sound therapy. Have you done sound therapy? You know, um, yes. bowls, the, the tongs, the this and that, because that is also something that goes beyond the brain, you know, and goes deep into the psyche. Yes, we're doing EMDR for her. At first, I wasn't a huge advocate for it because I didn't really understand um how it worked mm. but once i started to delve into that i'm a huge advocate for M emdr obviously she's taking on board traditional therapies for her to release the pain that she's suffering every day but there have to be all other alternatives for her to utilize when she's having a moment and like you said when i'm not there 
when she's at school, when she's with friends, if she's in a social environment. And of course, with COVID, some of those things yeah. have changed. Mm -hmm. So, but we still need to encourage that we find alternatives for our kids that go through this mm -hmm. to be able to manage life because there is a possibility at the end of the tunnel that they can heal and they can thrive and they can be adults who do amazing things. Aside from what she's experiencing, she's an amazing intuitive kiddo that, that I want to be able to let her have the opportunity to grow and flourish the way she's meant to. I mean, I mean it boils down to the fact she wasn't given this. It was not hers to have, but right. she has it anyway. So what do we do? We teach her about being positive and we teach her about loving who she is. Mm. All of those really great coaching moments that we would do with an adult. We can do that with kids as well and oh, help yes. them to believe in who they are because that is the other side of what you deal with, with children with reactive attachment disorder, their self-esteem. Yes, yes, yes. It's not uh, there. No, and, and, and that's, you know, if you were in a state of kind of flux or distrust or fear, you know, that, you, that fear breaks everything down. You know, it is, it is the complete opposite to any form of creativity or positivity. Fear is incredibly a negative force. Now, I'm not talking about the fear sense of walking in front of a bus or walking in the middle mm -hmm. of, the, of the highway. That's common sense fear. I'm talking about the uh, irrational fear that is all consuming and kind of eats you, you know, from the gut, from the inside out. And it's, there is no rationalization over it at that time. It, what you have to do is find the instrument that can turn the knob into a different frequency. Exactly. And so when she's having a moment, we have to work really hard at shifting her brain mm. and the frequency that she's at to get her to a space of feeling that calm and that peace. And it's multiple things. It might be tapping. It might mm. be deep breathing. It may be meditation, like, I've noticed that when we put on her meditation that I have and I just flip it onto my phone, you know, she's now to the point where it's like, mama, I need to listen to the meditation before I go to sleep. Yeah. And they've got great positive affirmations that help her to grow confidence and love who she is. Um, I'd love you to listen to my Dewati shows. Um, she teaches children yoga and meditative skills and she has this wonderful music that goes along with it um, that is designed for for children and for teenagers of the skills of being able to cope with anxiety or stress you know and find their center and find their space so i'll send you the link but that i think you'll find some of her her techniques and the music there is wonderful um, I um, have nowhere near had that kind of stress uh, growing up or that trauma, but I went through some health traumas growing up and, um, and some other things that have happened in my adulthood that um, it brings up a little post-traumatic stress now and again, you know, you get triggered and leads to depression and anxiety, which is, the, as I said, you can't reason with it. You cannot no. reason. Mm -hmm. Snap out of it, go to hell. There is no snapping. If we could, we would. <laughs> you know, it is literally having to change that frequency into something else. And for me, I've always found not only nature, uh, because nature speaks to us on so many levels, but music has always been the one. Um, and I've since learned that certain music resonates at higher frequencies. 
and those frequencies are the one that turn our frequencies over um, out of the stress and out of the trauma so I'm a huge music advocate for um, for anybody that's in stress because I think it takes us out of the stress and puts us into a calmer frequency when it's sometimes it's difficult for us to do for ourselves but I think that I've interviewed an awful lot of people as adults that went through an abusive traumatic childhood and you know one of them is um, Rob Shearer and um, his parents died when he was 10 I mean literally the the parents were be drunk and playing Russian roulette three kids kneeling on the floor with the gun saying who should we kill first ma you know he was in that mm -hmm. environment sexual and, and physical and emotional and every abuse and out of the 10 siblings I think there only ended up being two or three the others took their lives and went down a different path and so it, that inner strength that inner connection with with an intuitiveness knowing that you are so much more than that really needs to be flowered doesn't it it really needs it to be and grown because that is what's going to be their sanctuary that is what's going to be their guidance forward true i agree because when i watch and observe I mean, particularly when she's not thinking I'm observing, mm -hmm. I notice, you know, there is this inner part of her that is intuitive enough to see when others are hurting yes. and reaching out to them and that she has that capacity to love and care. The disruption comes from what, what she's experienced. And so we have to spend a lot of time, literally sometimes hands-on, you know, can I give you a hug? You know, for her, hearing somebody say, you know, I just want to let you know that you're amazing today. Yeah. You did a really great job. We spend a lot of time using, delivering messages to her, mm -hmm. even when it's simple tasks. Yeah. It might boil down to, you know, when she's in a place where she's not following direction the first time, you kind of have to peel it back layer by yeah. layer and give it to her in a way that's loving, caring, and nurturing and then it's followed with, you know, with understanding and empathy. Yeah. I get that you feel this way, sweetheart, but I really need you to go take care of this. Remember, we, we agreed that, you know, you needed to go take care of this chore. And, and we incentivize what's going on for her. We give her goals. We break it down daily. We break it down weekly. We break it down monthly. So she can track herself. She gets, I guess, the, the greatest part about children with reactivity attachment disorder is the greatest thing that you can do is to empower them to have choices because the reason yes. they're there yes is that they don't they the didn't reason have, they're having trouble they didn't have any mm. choices so they feel that's taken away from them so there's always in parenting a power struggle mm -hmm. you have to give them opportunities to choose and some think it's not about the delivery of the message, but truly it is. You have to deliver the message to them in a way that they feel empowered, that they feel appreciated, that they feel like they're, what they're doing matters. They're heard. Mm -hmm. they're exactly. Heard. I mean, how many children go through it? I don't feel listened to. I don't feel heard. You know, right. the old adage, children should be seen and not heard. Yet there are a lot of kids <laughs> that still feel like that today. They do. And you have to acknowledge their feelings. Like they could say, you know, I'm not comfortable with this. Mm -hmm. I mean, it could be as simple as, can you help me with the dishes, please? I don't want to. Well, why not? What's going on for you? You have to really listen and have a conversation with them. And if you were to observe Peyton and I, it would seem like, you know, we're having very adult conversations. And that's because if you 
you have to understand your kids that have reactive attachment disorder and what level they're at. Yes. So you know what kind of conversation to have with them. And she's very intuitive and she's also experienced a lot of um, taking the adult lead as a little kid yes. to take care of her siblings. Mm -hmm. And so she's still doing that adulting instead of the innocent childlike experience. So you have to coach them to go back to being a kid and that, you know, our phrase often is, hey, I need you to do you right now, which is being a kid and having fun. Mm -hmm. Let mom do mom and the adult thing. Here are your choices for today. This is what I want you to work on. And anytime they do anything that's of significance that shows progress in learning, you let them know, hey, you did a really great job at that. Mm -hmm. I loved how you helped me to problem solve. It's all about that conversation where you have empathy, understanding, and when they become you know, belligerent in their behavior, don't personalize it because right. it's not about you. Yeah. It's about what they're experiencing in the moment. And it's really hard as a parent to not personalize it because here's your kid and you think they're being very <laughs> sassy, very cheeky, very disrespectful, but it's not. It's because you're giving them structure, discipline and routine. The one thing that they want very much, but that's the very thing that they push hardest to push away. Right. I love you, but yes, I don't want this, but I do want this. Yeah. And then you, you see the progress oh, and, yeah. it, and it's difficult as a parent to, you know, not go, Oh my gosh, I'm just not really doing a great job. What is wrong with me? Oh. But everything's right with you because, you know, in our team, you know, I always hear often, you know, you know, she loves you when she pushes you back so hard. Mm you know, she's really cares about you when she's trying to shift things more and more each day. It's not really, it's, that's her way of showing you love. It's not the traditional way of right. what we see love as because for them it's not. And over time, you know, things will change. She will grow, she'll progress. And she has done that. She very much so. I mean, for her to come and get a hug for me, that's like a 10. Mm. Because when yeah. she was little, she never did right. that. Obviously, maybe physical abuse along the line, their touch meant something else altogether. It did, and yeah. it still does. You're you right. know, we, we still have to wade through the being intuitive and mm. listening, listening with our whole bodies. Mm. It's not just with our ears. We listen with our yeah. eyes. We listen with our heart. We listen with our soul to each other so that we can have those conversations and connect with each other so that she feels like she matters and it's not about her diagnosis it's about her yeah always about her right so my thinking my drive is about creating a platform for these kids and the parents because being a parent of a reactive attachment disorder child it's not an easy job no um, i mean i had three kids and, you know, if, when they hit the teenage years, I don't know if you ever saw The Exorcist, but, you know, the head spinning around, you know, all of a sudden this cute, loving, huggy-wuggy little child is defiant and pushing all the limits and pressing all the buttons and just like, who the hell are you? You know, mm -hmm. they go to test your limits, that's for sure. And, you know, for me, it's always, I, you know, going to always remind them where the edge is. And that if they walk that edge and they fall, that's their choice. If they're going to push those limits, 
but yeah. as a parent i'll be there to help them get back up but they've got to understand to read when to say no or when that when that uh, edge is there and how to recognize it and uh, you know we can't protect our children from everything that's going to happen to them in life but we can prepare them for it and the more that we instill not only i love you no matter what it doesn't mean i agree with your choices or your actions but i'll love you it never should be love is a punishment i don't love you today because of this love should never come into that love is love it's unconditional but you can like and approve and disapprove of certain actions and sometimes you don't have to say much they used to say when mum went quiet and the eyes went up <laughs> you know, that was enough you know whoops mum's not saying anything she's at her limit um, yeah and the, and i think very often when she's pushing you she's looking to see where's your limit you she know? is she she knows my limits but it goes back to you know structure discipline and routine yeah. There are consequences. I mean, you have to think of her as this nine-year-old kid who's almost as tall as me, and she's in this body of a nine-year-old, but she's emotionally only four or five, mm. you know, pinching a fit, packing a wobbly, um, pushing boundaries, trying to see how far she can go. But you have to be consistent. You have to be a person of your word. If you say that you're going to do something, then step up and do it. Yeah. You have to teach them, here are the consequences and empower mm -hmm. them. And here is the rewards. You have to make a choice. And if you determine that your reward is X, like say she can go swimming with a friend because she did X, Y, and Z. Mm -hmm. And we've charted all of her chores and things that she has to do every day. Then that's her reward that she gets. You have to set boundaries. Like here is our red zone. This is like, non-negotiable things in our household for example safety and anger those mm -hmm. are two non-negotiable items and if you hit the red zone here are your consequences that you have to live through and you own them you have to teach them to take ownership and responsibility for the choices that they make sure it sounds you know very easy and simple but it's not always mm -hmm. easy and simple yeah. particularly with kids with what she has because for them what they've seen and heard is I don't have to take responsibility. I don't want to, I don't have to, why should I? Right. And she's smart enough to know that she'll watch and trail through what we've done and what we haven't done. And she's always smart enough to figure out, well, how can I end around that? Yes. You know, how can I negotiate <laughs> that? Very and you have cunning. to really say, <laughs> yes, very, you have to say, this is not negotiable. Mm -hmm these benchmarks are not negotiable and I'm not moving from them. And the difficulty in that is as a parent is that sometimes you have to make hard decisions about the, the care. Like recently for me, I had to decide at what point did I need to have other people step in and did she have to have hospitalization to, for her dysregulation? And at what level was that dysregulation to a point that I needed to go get secondary help? Right. And you always have to have a safety plan. You yeah. always have to have your team know and understand. Mm. These are our benchmarks that we have to do that work for us. Like make phone calls with people to help her calm down when she's dysregulated. Uh, talk to hotline people, mm. professional therapists who can help with her dysregulation and calm her down. When we get to the point where there's several opportunities that have already risen up 
what do we do next? And, and as a parent, it's difficult to say and go, okay, I have to be warned on my word because I agreed to the safety plan. The safety plan said my threshold was when you get violent, when you hurt yourself or me, we have to get help. Yeah. And you have to follow through. And they look at you like, what are you doing? You don't love me anymore. Right. But mm -hmm. I love you. You always have to read a, read a yes. message, even in that moment where it's so chaotic. Look, sweetheart, I love you so much. I'm willing to get extra help to make sure both of us are safe, that both of us are in a space that we can still have conversations that are meaningful. And when we get to a place that we can't talk together, that we don't feel like we can be around each other, that's unsafe especially when you want to lash out and be violent and you can get kids with this reactive attachment disorder who get to that level, who get to the extreme. And it's because there's so much hurt underneath all of that. And you have to have safety plans in place. Parents have to go get respite care, which is a component that those are the things that I'm working on is creating a place that parents can come get respite care where kids can come get respite care because yeah. there isn't enough. No. And I'm a single parent. Mm. So for me, it's like, well, I've got people on my list that I can utilize when I need to go take a, a break. And I want to say, you know, we've gotten to this mentality that, you know, parents don't get to take a break. And that <laughs> that's not how you get burnt out and sick parents. Yeah. And that we're not allowed to. And right. I've heard a lot of that. And then I've also heard people, you know, have negative talk about parents who do take a break. Oh, who do they think they are? They should just keep going. What's their problem? I'm sorry, but this world isn't made yeah. the way that it used to be. And our kids are dealing with different problems and issues. And it's best for us as caregivers to say, you know what? I need to walk away. I need to take a break. Because that's when you have a problem. That's when you get child abuse. That's when you get yeah. all of these yeah. socialized behaviors that say, you know, we can do this, we can get angry, we can get ugly. No, we need to teach each other, parents and children alike, to step away, take a break, take a self break, take a day break, take, a, take some sort of break where you are away from the situation. And while you're in that break, be creative, mm -hmm. talk to somebody, figure out what the problem is. So I'm building a platform where eventually I'm going to create a respite care center that encompasses art, literature, music, all of those things that, that are simple and can provide an opportunity to be creative where parents and children can come. They need a break. Yes. It's, it's a place that they can have a therapist there if they need to. I mean, if they're on the edge and they, they just are distraught, but they need somebody to talk to, but they don't want to be at home and do that. We need to, I want to build a facility that enables them to be able to come, relax, rejuvenate. You know, it's like a, a mental day spa. Hugely, 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 hugely necessary. You know, it's, it um, you know, I mean, I, I was a parent of three and, and trying to get any kind of time to yourself because I had a husband who was working all hours and not that reliable when it came to kind of backing up or giving me some break. Um, so I know what it's like to kind of feel overwrought and even burnt out. And uh, um, 
we just need sometimes to step away and take a breath. Mm -hmm. You know, that time to nurture yourself so that you can come back, not in the state of flux, but in a state of calmness to deal with the situation. But I think it also teaches the children that, okay, Ma needs a break. Ma needs time for herself and learn to respect that. Otherwise, uh, as, as a case with me, they always knew mum was there. So it didn't mm-hmm. matter what they did with mum, mum was always there. So that means that there isn't the respect for mum because she'll be always there no matter what. And if they know, no, I'm, I'm taking a day off. I'm taking a day off and going to do something for me. Then it's that respect that you need time off. It's not just them that needs time out. You need time off. And they become more respectful of it. So I think it's absolutely massive. And, you know, one of the things I used to do with my kids when I found tensions really going on, I used to put on Queen, we are the champions of the world. (laughs) And all of us screaming, singing it and dancing. Yes. It's kind of redirecting that energy into something. Yes. Right. And, And at the end of it, we're all laughing. But, and we've changed that, that vibration again and having a place where they can come to where whatever they need, whether it's the therapy or whether it's calm music or dancing music or art, mm-hmm. it's something that where they can express themselves through a different medium that's not the burden on the parent. No, it's not. And that's the whole idea is breaking away from that thinking and that parenting <clears throat> skill set where we think we have to do everything and mum's always there. No. Yeah. You know, I've talked to a lot of parents and and observed and found that, you know, parents need to take a break and kids yes. need to know that parents have a life outside of them. Yes. That, that we love them, we appreciate them, we champion them. But mum and dad, guess what we were before we were parents? We were just people. <laughs> yes. So we need to get back to, and it's a great way for us to identify how we can get back to our own selves because often we get so busy we forget who we are. We forget what we're doing. We're raising our children. We're having a career. We're doing all of that lot. Mm-hmm. And that's great and wonderful. But how do we get back to ourselves? No, how do we get you back look, to yeah. you? You forget to do that. So yeah. this is an opportunity to say, okay, I'm taking some respite care. I'm taking a break and I'm getting back to myself. Yeah. And so these centers will be places where people can, can do that. They get back to themselves. They find the help. They find the way to be creative, to literally get respite and respite isn't just about oh i'm just going to go take a rest maybe a day in a hotel is going to work Mm. no it's much much more than that it's yes sleeping eating properly it's massage yes all of those things (laughs) a massage candles a great meal it's relaxing it's turning off the media it's turning off the sound it's maybe learning something new getting in touch with you know going sitting in a garden and just being still yeah being quiet Mm -hmm. and meditating maybe it's yoga for some people maybe it's physical activity you know i'm just gonna go hit the gym i'm gonna go do Mm -hmm. something but it would be a center where you have a few things you know because you can't please everybody no but you have a few intrinsic things that are meaningful that would help people to shift their vibrations and the great thing about it, I was thinking as I was developing this idea is, you know, it would be a place that you could go to anytime because right. things happen. A drop in, drop in, a drop in. Yeah. Yes. A drop in place. Things yeah. happen. 
I mean, you could stay or you could just drop in because you just, you know, had a rough day at work and you don't want to go home and carry that. Right. You don't want to, you, or you've you had a want, rough day at home. Yes. Or you've had a rough day at home <laughs> yes. and, and you want to just, you know, come away and say like, you know, what am I going to do? Yeah. How am I going to do this? Yeah. You know, such and such isn't open. I really want to go there. I mean, I just want to, you know, I just want to sit and have a Zen moment and just chill out. And that's the thing. If you make it that it's only by appointment, then that the, the moment is passed. You need to address the moment. And if the parent you is do. feeling stressed out, and then if that's the moment they need to say, we're going to the center. You're going to go over here. I'm going to go over there. Um, there was another wonderful gentleman, um, a veteran that I interviewed, who did something wonderful. He was actually a war junkie. He kept going back because he never knew how to come back and integrate back into society. He was always mm -hmm. in the adrenaline. And somebody introduced him to yoga. And now he has this yoga platform mm -hmm. for the people who come back, the, the service people, veterans, with their families. And they all do yoga together. And what happens is they all come out on the same vibration. And now that's when the communication can be spoken. So it's not like one doing it and the other one's still tense at home. The whole no. family does yeah. it, putting everybody on the same frequency. So I think mm -hmm. the more you can also get kids and parents doing things together yes, and then being holistic. able to talk about it, I mm -hmm. think is an excellent idea. Yeah, and that was a holistic approach is, yeah. is the whole group, the whole, because, mm. you know, if you're going to change the rules of engagement, everybody has to know and understand the, what the rules are so they can engage. Yes. So if everybody's doing something together and they understand what's happening for that member of the family, then they're all being able to move in the same direction with the same vision because you cannot heal just one person. You have to heal the whole group. Yes. Like if for Peyton, if she's not doing well, then I have to make sure I'm whole too. Yes. And I have to heal too. So we both come together and, and this platform that I'm creating is all about a holistic approach to the whole group, the whole tribe of family, not just one person. Mum needs a break. Well, the kids need a break too. Let's all take a break so we can come together and have a conversation. And you can have conversations once you've broken away from that moment where things yes. are very, very stressful. You're right. You're correct. There's, on, there's only one way to do it is just change those vibrations. Yeah. It's very, very important because while you're up here mm -mm. and they're very high, nothing is achievable. Nothing works. All it does is create more havoc, more stress. And the wrong words and actions coming out. Exactly. And so we have to find a way that as parents – in our house communities, our family communities, to find a way to work past those stresses that we're experiencing and get the help and support that we need. It's very important that we have a different way of dealing with it, you know, no well, you longer. Know the... Sorry. Yeah. Go ahead. No, go ahead. They're talking about defunding the police right now and putting more money back into community where communities they're looking after each other what you are proposing here is i think a root base of that type of program that's needed out there because if parents are being supported and the children are being supported that means they're going to grow up to be better adults Parents aren't going to split or, you know, be burned out or um, have their own health issues, which is extremely common. And we're not going to be in such a dysfunctional society. So I think, you know, a lot of the funding should go into 
community centers and organizations like this in communities that are there to support people at the root of the situation instead of waiting for the situation to get out of hands and then you know guns are bought in so you know it is the stitch in time so support the families support the children be there for goodness sake for how many um, thousands of years was it a village brought up the children it was thousands and where of years are we now where are we now you're We're on not. your own mate yeah you are you're very much on your own mate and i've seen that over the years that you know coming from new zealand it's very much community-based mm -hmm. very much the tribe literally the tribe helped raise the children but they still Bring the tribe. Your extended family is very much at the root of community mm -hmm. and how you deal with life. But somehow we've forgotten how to continue to let family be at the core of our communities. Yeah. And if we don't fix at the core, our family structures, our family well-being, our family socialization, we, we're going to disappear. Yes. We're going to obliterate ourselves, you know, yeah. it's, it's, but we're seeing so much. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm a divorcee and we're seeing so much today of families breaking up. And, you know, I was the, the uh, fortunate stay at home mom, although I did try doing a few businesses as well at the same time, but it was the, the role of the children was on me. Right. Yes. And uh, eventually I ended up through the stressful marriage and through the raising and, and doing all of that, ended up sick. And then but mm. I couldn't be sick because there wasn't no. any time to be sick. And no. also you also felt a little bit of shame for being sick because you couldn't manage everything. You're yep. taking everything in and now it's manifesting in an illness. Mm -hmm. Right. And well, what's wrong with you? You know, exactly. oh, there must be something wrong with me. Instead of, no, I was saturated. With yes. everything coming at me from every angle, I was saturated and I got to a point I couldn't deal with it anymore. The body broke down. It does. As the body it will. will. Mm -hmm. So why are we waiting for people to get to that stage? We can't. We can't no. wait for that anymore. We have to create funding. We have to create yes. initiatives that enable parents to be parents and cope with what we have in life right now. We can't wait till there's a catastrophe or a child dead or a parent hurt before we say, okay, we need to get help. We need to be doing it now. At the core level of the family, we have to see, look at those structures and say, what, what do families need? Yes. And it's not just traditional families. It's families that at any kind of nomenclature that you want to call it, right. single parents, gay and lesbian parents, just people who are families. Yes. We Love. are all people love, and we love community yes. Yes. love communities <laughs> yeah. and we need to instead of dispersing into different groups just say look at the core we're human beings mm -hmm. we all need help we need mm -hmm. love we need support how do we get that yeah how do we do it for each other how do we you do know, it for each other so how do we you have build to that community and, and the thing is is that you know in having a, a kind of a center like that you've got plenty of people that have specialized in their field Exactly. Right. And now they can come together under this one umbrella and cohesively yep. work together. You know, they can say, you know, I've got a child or a parent over here and I think it would serve better if you could help her out. And, and then that's the way it goes. But I also think it should be free. Yes. Because how many times do we see people never getting help because they can't even afford to put food on the table? Never mind, go and get any help. 
Yeah, and those are things that I've thought of too, is, you know, a not-for-profit organization where people, doesn't matter where they are in life as far as their income and threshold or social economic environment. And you're right, social economics has a lot to do with whether they get yes. help. Yes. And that cannot be a player in this game because mm. people need help and support. And those are the things that I've thought of. And I'm glad that you, you brought that up because that's not something I want to have played out mm. as I build this is money is not something that should be a part of why people get services or not. You money know, there, is, is a foundation to which we can build, to utilize, to it, create. Yes, it's this. the tool. It's the, work, it's the, it's tool. the fuel. It's the fuel. It is the fuel. Yes, it is. Yeah, I, you know, there, there, here's an idea. Um, I've interviewed so many people with beautiful foundations and nonprofits, et cetera, that are working in different fields. How would it be to actually work with each one of these nonprofits that collectively come together to form this umbrella? You're so amazing. <laughs> I'm, oh my gosh. And the reason why I say that is because, you know, as I've developed this idea for the last two years, little things have come together. And one of them was for the, for this project was, well, we need subject matter experts who all come together to make this happen, mm -hmm. where we utilize resources. And what has, you know, the universe has thrown out to me lately is, why are we not utilizing what we already have? Yeah. We have to utilize what we already have in existence and come together and create this platform where everybody who, I don't want to reinvent the wheel, no. but I do want people who utilize are, the wheel, <laughs> yeah, utilize it, who are subject matter experts who yes. can come together and say, look, we have to pull all these resources together. And I think that was for me, you know, as a single parent, you know, without labeling myself, but truly that I am, you are, but you as far there. as, as far as trying to get resources, that was the most, that is honestly the most difficult challenge is getting resources together that I need to help my daughter. And how do I do that? Well, I talked to lots of people. I asked lots of questions and then I started noting, well, for this over here, I need to go talk to this person. For this problem, I need to go talk to this. How come we're not coming together and saying, putting these all together in one one house yes. and utilizing them and passing it out to those who need it. You know, what's coming to mind, because you've got the juices going now, is uh, you can have a twofold. You can have a virtual, you know, mm -hmm. for somebody who just can't get down to anywhere, but be able to get online and go to the virtual platform. Yes. You know, I'm just needing help right now. Yep. Right? Mm -hmm. right now. Right. And, right and now. have this umbrella. They literally then get on Zoom talk. They can record mm -hmm. it so they can listen back to it yes. and, and just have that guidance, whether it be the child or the parent or caregiver, whoever it is, right? But right. also an awful lot of these uh, nonprofits aren't just working in one bubble. They have people that are working everywhere. They so do. for them to find somebody in your area that is doing that under the nonprofit and that nonprofit contributes this much and another nonprofit contributes that much with the expertise. All you're looking for is the building in which to house it in. Yep. Uh, now you go to the city and say, I've got all of this. We need a premises. This is the benefits of what we're seeing. It will cut down crime. Yes, it, it will cut down um, uh, um, 
it will probably cut down suicide. It will cut down an, an awful lot of people just being dysfunctional in their own lives. I can tell right. you from all the shows that I've done, being a spiritual counselor myself, the biggest problem I ever find in people is the little child inside that was neglected. It was. It's true. It's very, very much true. And there's the biggest reason why I'm doing this is because I see my daughter and I don't want her to get to that place as an adult mm. where she's this little child still that, that's not flourishing, that right. didn't heal. And, and then I see, you know, that there are kids who grew up that way. And how too much, many kids, too many kids. Too many, too many. And there, there are children out there who are growing up like this. And we need, a, I mean, you know, I was thinking, you know, when you talked about resources and not-for-profit, I thought, well, why can't I just go talk to big brothers and big sisters? And then maybe I could talk to the Habitat of Humanities mm. to go build a building. And then we could take, utilize some of what they do and put it in here so that we can all come together. We, there's lots of foundations yes. out there. And we just need to come together and say, look, this collaboration is what I'm doing and collaborate together mm. and this is what's needed right now i mean with covid with you know the increase in domestic violence alone mm. you know i know the uk recently did an ad that was posted on linkedin and i looked at that ad and i went this can be prevented yes there has to be an outlet where people yeah. can press a button to get to somebody to have a conversation, to de-escalate the moment, to get some relief. You know, like yeah. I was thinking, like we could create partnerships with people who can, um, you know, like sort of like the big brothers, big sisters concept. You know, what about companions for mums and dads to yes. go? help them you know grannies here grannies, grannies and grannies and grandpas yes grannies and grandpas to help yes. kids and mums yeah. and yes. intervene in that moment where you can pick up a line and say look i need a and it doesn't cost anything right you know volunteer to help alleviate the stressor that's going on don't be judging of what's happening yeah. for them judgment you know, sorry is a password we're yeah. not interested in that at no all. we don't just yeah. get in there and and help them to be able to find that peace because in a moment's notice in a mm. moment's, and we all read it in the news in a moment's notice anything can be prevented and who wants another fatality right nobody no, does uh, um this is also going to go under our forgotten children series um and i was doing a show there with uh, a foster mum, and um she came up with a statistic that horrified me and that 70% of the people incarcerated mm -hmm. were foster children. Yeah, I agree. And, and, that, and they're just products that have just moved, you know, passed from one to the other and they feel worthless. They and, do. Yeah. And, and like Rob Shearer is, is uh, you know, the, the guy that went through his parents then became a foster child and he's a gay white guy who uh, he and his husband adopted four black children. So, you know, in, in North Carolina. So, you know what he went up against. But yes. he started comfort cases. So, you know, this is something I can see as being a wonderful synergy. The comfort cases are for foster children to have their own backpacks, their own cases. And the organization now is growing even more in even more diverse ways. Yeah. And this came about from someone who saw the need. You see the need. The best programs out there the best solutions out there are from people who are living through it and see what is needed not from the top down or some manager no, it's no. got to be from the people going through it 
you know, and this is what we need to resolve this or to support this or to prevent this and getting yeah. all of those people together under one umbrella and saying, what can we do this organization, that organization, this organization, and let's Lego it. Let's slot yeah. it all together. Yeah. We need right? to Lego it and slot it together and, and create this because it's, it's very much needed. You know, it was needed 10 years ago. It was needed 15 years ago. It was needed 50 years ago. I mean, you yeah, know, it's, it was, you it's know. been, it's been needed all the time. Yeah. And yet we socialize ourselves, particularly mothers, dads go out to work and mom has to handle everything, no matter right. what. And she has to be strong. And it's just like your example of your life experience. I mean, I was socialized that way too. You know, what's wrong with you? Just yeah. get in there and get it done. Yeah. Come on now. And, and, and I'm slowly seeing the shift, mm. you know, with my mum, you know, periodically she'll call me. She goes, you know, I'm kind of worried, you know, because it used to be, come on, you can do this. There's, there's yeah. nothing wrong with it. You. you know, you got this. Come yeah. on, you know, buck up, stiff up a lip. Hey, well, come on. <laughs> you know, that, that sort of language, you know, yeah. and, and now it's like, um, I think. I want you to be making sure that you're taking care of you, mm -hmm. that your mental acuity is there, that you're mm -hmm. taking a break. And the other thing that we have to teach parents is go get help. Go yes. ask for help. It is go. not a weakness. It's not. It's, not. It it's a strength. It <laughs> it's a strength. Go ask for help. If you have to cry and you need a place to do that, go, do, go, go find a friend. Go do it. Yeah. It's not a weakness. It is a strength to say, look, I'm at my peak, people. Yeah. And I need to go get help. I need to go talk to somebody. I need some respite care. I need a break. I need a weekend away. That is not a weakness in any way. It is a strength to empower yourself to take care of you. Because if your kids don't see you taking care of you, I mean, right. look, look at the whole structure of what yeah. we've been talking about. Right. Repeat, we're teaching repeat, repeat. Yeah. yeah. Mm. And we're teaching, if we say that we need a break and we create a facility that's free to give parents a break, what are we teaching our kids? We're teaching them to take care of them. Yes. To be mindful. Yes. To have mindfulness. To have a self-value and a self-worth. It have, is. To have um, a boundary ourselves. Mm -hmm. right. And, you know, this is something we, we talk all the time about. How can you give if you're empty? It's true. How can you? If you are depleted, this is where the problems happen. When people mm -hmm. are overwhelmed and they feel alone and they're depleted, then the shame and the blame comes in, yes. right? And yes. the lack of resources, the lack of money to, yes. to support. I mean, I've actually got a foundation that is going in the works. It's been pre prevented by COVID, but it's my blueprint. And one of the things is uh, I have mentors here on self-discovery media and self-discovery uh, community. Mm -hmm. Those mentors uh, services are there to serve people and whatever their mm -hmm. expertise is. But um, we will raise funding through podcast books, through donations, through various other means. And that money will go to subsidize the, the cost of the mentors for people who are at that crossroads in life. What yes. is the first thing that hits somebody? Money. It's the lack of money. Yes. It's not necessarily the lack of people out there that can help them. It's the lack oh. of money and the resources to go there. You're incredible. Oh my goodness. <laughs> if I've thought about those things too. Like for instance, my unsung heroes blog um, mm. about giving back and talking about unsung heroes, my connections on LinkedIn and how they have come to inspire me, but how I feel that what they do on a very core down to earth level in celebrating and champion who they are yes 
I started that blog as a give back to be creative because when things get difficult, it's either art or writing for me. So mm-hmm. I started that blog of Unsung Heroes and I'm talked about mental health with Glenn Marsden and is Imperfectly Perfect. And then there's um, Garrett Hardy in his um, app that's got, um, is very innovative and it's about utilizing properties that are already out there for monitoring how where somebody's at and giving support people warnings of where they're going right um so that platform there in addition to what i'm my core passion is that we've Mm. been talking about here i've been thinking in the last few days well i can monetize that to get funded to create funding like i'm go i'm in the process of designing a logo for unsung heroes and I'm going to use that to create swag and t-shirts to sell right. about unsung heroes. So those who participate in the unsung hero blog and I interview and talk to them, I will give them a gift mm-hmm. and then they can talk to other people about how that is, but then we'll have ripple t-shirts exactly. and it's a ripple effect. And then yeah. that way we'll get some funding, create funding. And that funding is going to be utilized. And it's funny you said what you did utilized to help other people. Right either to grow the respect here or to help people who need assistance. Yes. It's not going to be doing anything but that. And, and it was funny. I thought about that this morning, before, you know, when I was getting ready to talk to you, I'm like, what do I want to talk about? What's really going on for me? Um, how is, how does, how is that meaningful for me? Mm. And I'm like going, this is important. This is, you know, where is the core of what goes wrong? Money. I'm afraid it is, you know, it is, um, we have gone and put all the value on money and power. We have. And what have we seen? A whole load of ivory towers that are crumbling. Mm -hmm. And what are we seeing? So uh, the rest of the people destitute and left behind. And I've had the honor of interviewing an awful lot of business people who are now teaching companies and organizations and governments to put people planet before profit yes and when you do that when you invest in the people to be all that they are meant to be Mm -hmm. you're creating a beautiful instrument in that person and then they go to look for their orchestra and that orchestra resonates out with such a beautiful vibration it invites other people in it does investing in people is where we need to be investing in the planet which is one of the greatest gifts as human beings we have received yes right and looking at profit as being the abundance and the enrichment of mankind of life kind all life on planet mm-hmm. right at, and looking at money as devaluing it as a power it is a tool it is a tool it's, it's the it's the fuel in the two. car, yes. but it and it doesn't define where the car is going. No, you know it. The what how you use your vehicle and for what is how you use the vehicle. The uh, the fuel in it doesn't have well, it can tell you your distance, but it it doesn't decide well you're going here or you're going there. No, right? it's purely fuel. Money is fuel, and it we is. have plenty, plenty, plenty of rich people out there. That it's time that they spent their consciousness which is invest in the structure that is needed to empower people, not power of one person, empower people. Yes. To be all they're meant to be, to build community and society in a way that is going to be fruitful to each other. Yes, because if you break down, if you break down 
the family unit you're going to break down the community and if you don't teach people to empower themselves and to be empowered the very thing that those people have got rich from is the people that are working underneath them and a great leader a great leader will see the good in his his people and he will help them to grow he will get down in there beside them and he will roll his sleeves up or she will roll her sleeves up and she will work with them and say, look, I don't know all the answers, but I know so-and-so over on on that team over there, they've got an answer and I'm, I want to hear what they have to say. Take on board those, those questions and answers and help people to grow and be the best because it's already there, but do we encourage them to bring out that best no we don't no, because We're it's like, competitive it is i've got exactly. to be the boss yes. the best leader is those that makes leaders in other people yes agree right you know yes. the best leadership you can have is to bring out that leadership in anyone yes and you know when you walk into a business if it's dirty and scruffy do you want to do business with that person the janitor is the most important person on first appearance it is right because if that yeah. place isn't pristine you're going to think well they don't care so they're not going to care about my business so you know one thing about COVID, what it's done right now it's shown us the people that are really the true heroes yes right uh parents who are having to teach their kids at home are respecting teachers a great deal more they are. right we're respecting the medical community a great deal more we're respecting the people who work at the grocery stores that drive the buses that drive the trucks that pick up the garbage all of those people that it were low-income low people no they are now our heroes they've they been working all the way through this and that respect level needs to change now because we've been living in the wrong gratification. We've been worshiping those twilight zone people who are so disconnected and they are not the power. They're only the power if we give it to them. If we empower each other, it is more balanced and it's more encompassing. It's more loving. It is. I have to agree with that. We have to do that, which is, you know, back to my hashtag, kindness grows kindness. How else do you do that? You grow your vibrations, you give kindness, it grows kindness because, you know, it's like that 80s movie, pay it, pay it forward. Yes. You know, we, we, you think we could have learned something from that movie where we'd be in a better place now, but no, we socialize ourselves to mm-hmm. that media is the top, that you have to look like this, you have to make this much money, you have to be educated this way. But no, at the core of who we are, we are human beings and we need to be kind to each other. We need to change that, you know, one is not better than the other. And, and that we have to empower ourselves to be powerful and not give it away. An orchestra is not one instrument. No, it's many. And there's not one instrument over another. It may no. have a solo in that particular piece, but the triangle is just as important. In certain it pieces. is. Um, and the conductor isn't higher than anyone. The responsibility of the conductor is making sure that that music is cohesive and harmonic. That goes out in synchronicity. And so you'll always have people who have that ability to conduct or to find those people that have the right instrument for the right orchestra. And I think kind of one of those people that brings those people together. But it's up to each and every one of us to be the solution. As I've said, virtually every show, sorry folks, if you've been listening to all my shows, it's the same statement (laughs) I say all the time. We're at a stage where the universe is waking us up to shake us up for us to step up and change it up. 
We've been woken up, we've been shaken up, and at the present moment, we've been invited to step up. And the stepping up is like, we know what is wrong, how are we collectively going to come together to put it right and change it up? The invitation is there to step up, but you can't step up and be part of the solution until you are a solution unto self. Agree. To, you have to. You have to work from inside you, yeah. change you first, and then work on your family dynamics, and then go change the community. But if you don't yeah, change don't you, bring, yeah, 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 you're just bringing the dysfunction to the table. Are, we don't want you that. Are. We, we no. don't want enough of that. Yeah, yeah. You have to change within yourself, your direction, your limited thinking, your outlook, your perspective. All of those things have to change within you, and you have to want to do it and work on it every day, and not understand that just because you had one mindset today doesn't mean to say it's yeah. going to be that way. It is a consistent commitment to work on yourself and to grow and to give because you it's like stepping it's like having dirty feet and stepping into the bathtub that's dirty yeah right yeah. so we have to make sure that if we're stepping in that we have moved off those things that would dirty the water because you're not going to improve anything right. if you're not taking care of you and growing yourself and and being able to deliver a message that is authentic and true if you don't really believe it. Right. And start putting you as a responsibility on everyone else. Participate no. in your own life, in your own healing, in your own caringness, in your own kindness. When you learn to care for yourself and be kind to yourself, you start raising that frequency. And that kindness is just one below love. <laughs> right when you step into yeah. that kindness and you share that kindness you are that kindness you're kind to you you're kind to everyone around you you are now in that loving vibration and you that are. loving vibration you can't go and do anything harmful to anyone else knowingly no, and you're you you're, you're in a frequency that literally aligns your whole body and it and it is an energy that begets an energy and so we're, we're having to turn the frequency up on everyone right now. And this is what's been happening, you know, in, I'm an intuitive and an empath. And I've been saying for quite a long time now, they've been turning the volume on prisoners every year. And the, the volume this year was mega. And only those that are willing to hear it and willing to, to rise up to it are going to survive it. And there will be some people left behind. But that is the choice that we make yeah. as individuals. Do we want to be part of the problem or still part of the suffering? Or do we want to be part of the solution and first heal ourselves so we can bring that gift to other people? I agree. And this Life morning, is all about service, isn't yeah, it? It is. And, and this morning I wrote a post on LinkedIn and what it talked about was uh, how we hear the message. Mm. You know, are we so busy and frantic in the noise? <laughs> Are we just engaging in the noise and how do we stop the noise and mm -hmm. how do we take enough time for ourselves to hear the message? Because there is a message to be heard, you know? And when I wrote that, I was like, I was watching something on Facebook that an aunt sent me and it was about different women characters in the Bible and what message they brought. Mm -hmm. And I just watched it quietly and then it dawned on me, there's a message there uh -huh. for me to share. Uh -huh. And the message uh -huh. was, you know, as a community, as people, we're going to hear 
messages of inspiration and love and caring from all kinds of people. We're going to learn lots of things from all over our communities, from all over the world. And we're going to take a little bit here and a little bit there. And sometimes there's an important message we need to hear. And it won't be from a traditional place. But if we're too busy in the noise, are we going to hear that message of what we have to do? And the universe is speaking to us. So for me, it was sharing you have to get to that quiet place where you listen yeah. with your whole body. Yeah. Where the noise is stopped and you're taking a moment to just be so that you can hear the message and follow through. You get have out to of your head. Get out of your head. Yeah. You, you know, need it, to hear it. Yes. Mind, heart, soul. You know, it's, it's actually the other way around. No, it's actually the other way around. Heart, mind, soul? No, soul. Soul, oh. heart, spirit, mind. When, when you listen to the soul, that's right. the divine channeling that is coming through to you. It resonates with the heart. The heart makes that connection. The spirit now wants to get into action and the mind will know what it needs to know when it needs to know it. This is data. This is is programming. This is information. Mm -hmm. But it doesn't matter how much knowledge you have up here. If you Mm -hmm. do not have the wisdom to know how to use that knowledge, it's unproductive. The wisdom comes from channeling that divine wow. presence of when information that resonates with your heart. It doesn't have to articulate. It knows. Mm-hmm. It goes to the spirit. And I'm in actionism. And the mind will know how to use this wisdom and, and put it into action. But we always think That's it's from the head works. down. It isn't. It's get out of your head. Listen to your gut, your mm-hmm. heart, your spirit. Let yeah. that tell your mind what it needs to know. Because the mind is a programming and, it's, and we know that there's bad programming in there. And we can go, but, 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 or what if, or what if, or I can't do that, or I'm not worthy. Mm-hmm. And we get caught up in that stupid um, cycle like a treadmill. So it is a listen to the soul, the heart, and the spirit. It is so overwhelming, that beautiful knowingness. And the mind will know what it needs to know. And how do you know that I don't know? I just know. Exactly. That was me this morning. Mm-hmm. You know, get in touch with here. Yes. Your heart heart will feel it and your soul will, yeah. And see, I didn't know the order. I just knew I had to do it. Yes. Yes. A lot of people think we're head down. We're not. This is the last piece. All your mind has to do is get out of the way and invite. We are all channelers. We are all open to that frequency. And anytime we need to know, ask the universe. And the (laughs) universe will come and give it to us but they're not going to give it to our head first. Got it. Which is why I feel things. Yes. Feel your knowledge. Don't think it. Yeah. Which is why I feel things deep to the core of my soul. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then my head's like, I'll just go. Yep. You got it. That's it. <laughs> and that's- now that explains it. I didn't even know what it was. I just followed it. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you did. You allowed, you followed. And that's one of the other things. If you stay stuck in the head, you want to analyze it, articulate it. What does it mean? And you're stuck in that. When you actually have the intellect of the soul, heart and spirit in the equation, mm-hmm. you know, you don't need that. It, it just is. And when right. we actually understand everything is just is in the now, mm-hmm. in the moment, the gift of the present is in the now. Right. Mm. And trust yeah. the now, whatever information you're giving, if, if it doesn't make sense at the moment to you, it doesn't matter. It will as you progress with that knowledge. You're right. It does progress. It takes you where you need to go because you are allowing it. You're going with the flow. You're right. You do have to invite it in. Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. very much do. 
and you when have you, to be you know, awake to to hear it yes yes and and allow you know the soul cannot be heard if the heart isn't open wow that's so amazing <laughs> i love how that sounds and you know when you said that for me it's very much true of you know for reactive attachment disorder yes. children yes. they're very much you know in this light of this conversation they're very much head oriented. So you really do yeah. hands on day to day, get in touch with their heart and their soul. Yeah. And they come back to you mm -hmm. when you can reach their heart and soul. Yes. And I've noticed that with my daughter that in the moments where her head is just spinning out of control, spinning out mm -hmm. of control. If I can get to her to touch her, her heart and her soul, she comes back and it's like, I'm here, mama. See, like, she intuitively knows where she needs to be. She does. It, this is the old programming. It is. And it is. Trauma is old programming. It is. And, you know, we get triggered into that old trauma. And it's like, well, what the hell are you doing here? I got <laughs> rid of you. And, and that's the way to look at it and say, this is not me anymore. You know, my youngest daughter, when she was young, could not sleep in her own room or in the dark. I'd find her, put her to bed and find her on the floor next to me. You know, she, oh. she just was absolutely petrified and she was a defiant little creature in the day. So confident, but at night, no. I took her to a past life regressionist who found out that she had been abandoned at least twice in her life and that she had been in a pipe at one point in the dark and oh. somewhere else she'd been abandoned. And when she came out of it, uh, I said, do you, do you remember what was said? She said, yes. And I said then that that is not you. You can let that spirit know now that it is no longer alone. And this is not you. You don't need to be afraid because this isn't happening to you now. When she went to sleeping in her room with the light on and not long after that, sleeping in her room in the complete dark. And I think a lot of the time what we don't realize we don't just have the trauma of what happens to us in the now. We have the, the trauma that happens in our DNA. What happened to the parents? You know, because often something that happened to the parents, they will repeat on their own children unknowingly and the yeah. trauma carries on. But you've also got to understand it's also past life trauma that hasn't been released. So it's not always in the moment. So if you can intuitively ignite the soul and the heart into the question, that could be the healer of past trauma. And they can learn to let it go. They can. And so I that intuition that, is really important. Yeah. And I think there's that conversation and that language with mm -hmm. my daughter that says, this is not you. Yeah. And yeah. I intuitively have said things, you know, this is not you. This is not your life. Mm -hmm. This is us now. Yeah. This is your, this is your past. I think when we break down that barrier, we will have a major breakthrough. Right. Right. And I yeah. think it's very important for the care of these kids is, is helping them to understand that this is not them. Yeah. So there's so much more than what their experience is, but for them as little ones and what's in their head, it's very yeah. real. Oh yeah. It's very Absolutely. real and, and very significant. Real. And it very, was very, very, very real. And the thing is they go back to that and, it, and it's letting them know that is what happened to you. Yes. It is not who you are. Yes, exactly. It doesn't define right. who you are. Mm -hmm. It makes but you stronger. It does. Right. And that you are, you are strong because look at where you've come. Yeah. You have to always, yeah. every day, have a conversation about their progress about, and I'm noticing that, you know, every day that I have a 
conversation about letting her know how far she's come and what things she's done. You know, genuinely, not like I'm going to blow your head up as far right. as your ego is this big. Yeah, no. Um, just real realistic, small things. Like you really did a great job putting the dishes away. You know, I remember when you were little, you know, you used to like, this is how much you could do. And then, you know, all of a sudden it's like, oh, wow. Okay. You know, and it's inviting them to be present to now, not the past. And not only on just what they do, but on also what they face. <clears throat> True. You know, like, you know what? Um, a year ago, you would have reacted to that. You notice you didn't react to that? Look how far you've come. You're right. You're right. That is part of it, too. We actually had that conversation this morning. Did you know that, you know, about a week ago, if I'd said this to you, you'd have been like, Ugh! yeah. <laughs> and, and she's like, really? Well, yeah, you've, you, in a week, you've done really well. Great yeah. job. And it Great shows job. them they are making progress and they are taking charge of their lives. They are empowering themselves because what, yes. what we are here to do is to help them empower themselves. And, you know, we're yeah. guiding the guardians. We're custodians. We are. We're here to, to, to prepare them for their journey in life, not to walk it for them. And so the more we can empower them no. in that strength, the better they're going to walk it. What happened to her siblings? They got adopted into a wonderful family and Good. to watch all of them from the time that we started this journey up until now as, as the grandparent side of me, mm -hmm. I, I am super, super excited to see how much they've grown. And we even, you know, just like we said, we right just now, I even tell them, you know what, you have come a long way because before, you know, like this time ago, um, this is where you were, and now look at you now. Yeah. And they look at me, they're, they're like, they take their hands on my face, they go, Nan. Mm -hmm. I'm like, seriously, you've come a long way, and I'm so super proud of you. Good job. Yes. You're doing amazing. And now they're great. They, they keep in contact with each other. They're Good. a support to each other on their journey as far as this is what I'm learning. Why don't you try this? Mm -hmm. And that's, that's the other reason why I want to do this is because I've noticed kids, these kids, particularly this group of kids, my grandchildren, I've noticed that, and I'm sure it's the same everywhere else, that kids like them, when they get together and have discussions and talk about their journey, that that is ever so helpful for them mm. to be a support to each other. Right. And there are moments when my daughter has been troubled and had an episode and I've called her, her older brother, and he will coach her through it. Mm-hmm. They will help each other. And it's like, wow, yeah. this is great. We need to do something with this information. We need to do something with this learning. Because I know the thing, they're, they're going to be the healers of the future. Because they are. They're, because they're being nurtured right now to go through their healing. So they will be the healers of the future. Um, what happened to their parents? Because at some point they're going to want to know, you know, why was mum and dad like that? You know, the, every, every child, it doesn't matter who raises them afterwards, they always want to know about their own parents. Yeah, they do. And we have those discussions now about how it happened and what happened for them and help them understand choices that they shouldn't be making as they grow up. Mm. You know, where is their healing and understanding the appearance? I mean, if you want to break the cycle, then you have to change the way that you do things. Yes. So helping them understand their for want of a better phrase, genealogical history mm -hmm. and behaviors will help them to know what paths not to take. Right. And we have those discussions openly about, you know, these were your parents, this is what happened, and this is what they experienced, and these are the choices that they made. 
because of their experiences and the dysfunction that came out of their their parents mm. not healing themselves. Right. Yes. It, I mean, that's the trouble. You know, we see uh, abused children um, get married and have children, and they love those children, but they ended up in some form or other abusing them. And it's like, but you know, you didn't like it. Why are you doing it to your children? Well, the patterning is there. It hasn't changed. If you don't get in and re-delete that old patterning and insert a new pattern, they are at some subconscious level going to repeat it. They won't because it's already there. It's already there. Yeah, those principles know? and those learnings mm -hmm. of what they did when they were childhood, and they say go in and fight really hard to change it, it's not going to change. No. And I think for me and, and my background and what I saw growing up, you know, I realized at 12 that there were certain behaviors I wasn't going to do when I grew up. Yeah. And I wasn't going to go there because I knew that it didn't feel right. I knew it wasn't right. And that somehow I had to teach myself to not be yeah. that person. And when it came to being a parent, it was like, oh, wow. I could immediately see how those things that I thought about at 12 came to a head as an adult and as a parent. It's like, I've got to do something differently. Right. I've got to figure out how to change what's in my head so that the outcome for my children isn't the same as what I saw growing up or what I experienced growing up. Yeah. You know, my mum always used to say to me, I brought my children up the way I want to be brought up. And I know my mum loved me. You know, I know the nurturing was there, but I was a very sickly child. So I spent a lot of time in bed and I'd see her for breakfast, lunch and dinner. And then that, that was it. You know, you're on your own all day. Um, and then, of course, we sent to boarding school, which is very traditional in England. And yeah, so for a lot of it, it was a feeling of neglect. You know, it wasn't that I know you love me, but why am I not at home? Or why am I not going home at the weekends? Why am I the only child at boarding school? And, and it was just part of their upbringing, but it was also part of their dysfunction that was going on in their own lives that, you know, they just couldn't kind of cope with the kids being there. So uh, for me, you know, I'm, I'm a mush. My heart comes first, you know, the, and I pour my heart over my kids and everything, you know. Um, so it was, no, they're not going anywhere. No boarding school, nothing. <laughs> they're going to be here thick and thin. Um, and, you know, I've made mistakes. Hell yes, don't we? I mean, because we're, yeah, we we're navigating each day as it goes. But mm -hmm. ultimately, uh, you know, um, my kids, I've got gray hair. You know, I can say that a lot of their names are on it. But <laughs> they're all in their 30s now, and I'm very proud of them, uh, of who they are and who they've become. Yeah, and, uh, you know, the journey that they've taken to get there. And uh, I actually get to see them next week, first time Yay! in three months. Yay! <laughs> Wonderful. I've warned them that there's going to be a lot of hugs and they can't complain. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's something that says, you know, about getting a hug from your mom. <sighs> there's oh, nothing better. Hugging your nothing. kids, I don't care. Six foot, whatever. I know, it doesn't matter. <laughs> but there's, there's nothing like a hug from your mom. Yeah. Yeah, or you know, hugging your actual kids. It doesn't matter yeah. how big they are. It's just no. It's always that heart old. to heart connection. Oh, it doesn't. They're still my no. babies. You know, yeah, they're they in their thirties. They're still my babies. <laughs> yep, yeah, they are. And and there's nothing better than that. Nothing yeah. warming. Nothing yeah. more beautiful and heartfelt than just getting together with your kids and having that that hug and connecting. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I think what we're realizing as a society right now that healing is love. But love is not in the head. It comes from the heart. And that so many people shut down their heart. 
you know, out of pain or mistrust or yeah. uh, never, never got it ignited. Um, but when we ignite our heart, and I, just, I say to people, how do I ignite my heart? And I say, watch the children. Watch mm -hmm. the play. Watch the puppies and the kittens. Watch nature and squirrel running up a tree. Anything that makes you smile. Anything that chugs on the heart. Mm -hmm. That is a way of igniting it. Do not deny it. Do not go, oh, I'm tough. I don't need it. Everybody <laughs> needs love and everybody needs to ignite their heart. Thank that you. heart... And I don't want my heart to be broken. A broken heart just shows you how to love somebody else even more later. You know, yeah. it's, it's, it don't be afraid of that broken heart. You learn something from each one. And, and the heart is the key to everything. Because if your heart isn't in it, no. you're not in it. No, you're not. You're not. I agree. If your heart's not in it, you're not going to do anything. No. I mean, we, you can see it. I mean, if you're half-hearted, it's like, oh. Yeah. You know, oh, I, 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 I kind of, and then, you know, you look at yourself going, what was that about? Oh, well, I really wasn't in it. But if you are from a soul level and a heart level, like you said, your head comes last. Yes. You, you find yes. that. And it's like you said, it's very true. Your heart will ignite. Yeah. And, and the universe will send you, you have to be open to the messages. Yes. You have to be open to the invitation. Yes. You know, realistically, if you want to talk with your head, you know, People, relationship, having heart and getting involved. Yes, there's a risk factor involved, but guess what? You can never exchange that experience when you open your heart. Never. You can never forget what you had, what you felt. It stays with you for the rest of your life. Absolutely. And who would want to give away that opportunity anyway? I wouldn't. No. And it's not just a love of, of, a, of a partner or children. No. A love of that. You know, it's, it's a, when you step into that love of life. Mm -hmm. And I love who I am doing what I'm doing. Exactly. Experience of my every day, you know, and is every day good? No, but the bad is just, you know, it's just a hiccup today. It, and it doesn't define the day because there's too much love here. Right? Yeah. And, you know, it's soppy, it's syrupy, but love does conquer all. <laughs> it does. And it's a really great, wonderful feeling yes. when you feel that way. It's amazing. You know, a hard day is like a hard day and that's okay. Yeah. Because guess what? You have all these other minutes left. The clock doesn't stop because you had a hard moment and you're, you're canceling out the rest of your day because there was a little pebble in your shoe. Right. When you really think about it, it's just yes. a little pebble in your shoe. It's a slightly annoying, but what you do with that, to help move you forward to the rest of the day, to enjoyment, to empowerment, to living life, to loving you, to loving what's out there. Oh my goodness. It's a glorious feeling. I mean, yes. I see that in you on your face. It shines <laughs> like there's, there's a light in you because you feel that. I mean, I'm not saying you as in general, you, right. but you yes. personally, Sarah, I see this light in you. And it it's like the backdrop behind me. Yes. You no, know, that, that iridescent feeling of right. the glow of the sun, the warmth, the gentleness, that, that's in you. And, and I see it and I feel it. Even though we're doing this podcast right now, what you bring, I can feel. And we've, we've never met face to face, but no, no. You, you resonate that when you're at that place. It doesn't matter where you are or what you're doing. No. It can be felt. And it, yeah, we've got to understand frequency 
of love and good vibrations isn't just person to person. It, it is something that's no. in the air. It goes through the wires, through the wavelength. It, it, is, it is a frequency that travels. When you know, you've got wireless, you've got cell phones, you've got <laughs> things. It all is fiber optics. You have fiber optics underneath your skin that send messages from your brain throughout your body. And, you know, when you talk about the pebble in the shoe, maybe that's just an indication to put your feet up today. You know, listen to the message, you know, it's like, don't get hung up on something. Um, you know, I have, an, I have an illness now and again that says to me, okay, I'm sorry, you're not going to do anything today. This is a day of rest. And I've learned not to argue, give myself a day of rest. And then the next day I can get back out there again. So learn to listen, you know, allow. It's not about pushing through. It's about allowing because every time you allow, it's got a reason. Everything has a reason. You're right. You're right. It's very much that way. Now that I think of it, and I think that's probably a great philosophy to teach young kids. Yes. They can very have bad so. days, but that doesn't mean it's the end of time. No, it's you not know, the end of time. But yeah, it's also, just time like, to nurture yourself. Yeah. <laughs> that's the key. Yes. It's teaching. I think if we could, you know, as part of facilitating this respite here, is teaching kids to listen to their bodies, to listen to their soul and to their heart, and to see if they can figure out what the message is. Like, you know, the people in the shoe, you said, you know, maybe that's about putting your feet up. Yeah. That's the message. Yep. And sometimes, you know, f we have to figure out how we can teach our kids to do it. I think that's really important. You know, as I, as I look at alternatives and promptings for kids like them in coaching and appearances, parents have to understand the message and give the message yeah. to the kids. But we have to teach our children to be intuitive to the messages that they're being given as well and that there's something they need to be doing instead of second guessing or that they don't have a right, right. To, to actually think or provide that information. Mm -hmm. They do. They, we're, we're teaching them to be in tune with their own heart. Mm -hmm. And if we do not respect the message that's coming from their heart, we're being dictatorial. We rather are. than allowing. So this isn't, you know, oh, I gave birth to you, I can take you out. No, this is, this <laughs> no. is, I'm here to love you, to ignite you. And if your heart tells you this is what you need to do today, then that's fine. Now, of course, a teenager or a kid will kind of go, oh, yes, uh, my heart's telling me I can't do the dishes today. Well, that's not <laughs> the same thing, you know? No, it's not. <laughs> but you know when, when, you, when th those days are there, you can feel it vibrationally. Do you just need a, a me day today? Yeah. What, what, would, what do you need today to make you feel better? And that is honoring them. It's it placing value on them. And they go, you know what? I, I was given that choice. Me, I was given that choice. And it's respect. And if you teach them that respect, they will live in that respect. They will. And then they'll break the cycle. Yes. Man, that cycle needs to be broken. Oh and my God, there's a lot of cycles that need to be broken. Right there is. Now. There's dozens and yeah. dozens of them, but that's yeah. one of many yes. that you could get them to work on because I think parenting is so much more different than, the, than what we knew yeah. traditionally, and we have to let go of those strings. We have and, to and we're not going to see uh, uh, traditional. We're going to see, as you see, you know, gay people. We're going to see maybe two single mums sharing a home, raising kids. We're going to see grandparents raising kids. You know, this definition that it has to be man and woman and picket fence and all of that. Sorry, it's obsolete. It is too containing. And we've got to understand love has no boundaries. We don't want to hold it into a canister. We want to set it free. So whatever the family dynamics looks like, who cares as long as the core is love?
Yes, agree. And Very you know, much you, agree. You, the you, core you, has to be that way. Yeah, and you stepped up to be loving to your granddaughter, to be there for her, despite what she's going through. And it's now your drive, not only to, you know, the need that you need, the need that she needs, but seeing the need that others need. So to prevent anything like this happening to other children, or at least being able to have the tools to manage it. And it's yeah. so needed right now. And it is, as I've said, it's not your politicians or your highfalutin professors of this. It is people on the, on the front lines. Mm -hmm. see the difference that are making the difference so i'm going to be happy to introduce you to a few people who've got foundations and non-profits and just start the conversation you never know where it yes. could go you don't right? know you don't right. and the thing is no. you have a blueprint you have an idea of what you want to see but if yep. if you go with the flow and you allow it will manifest as to what it's meant to be yep i will so that's wonderful. I agree. It's wonderful. And totally just, agree. you know, kindness begets kindness, for goodness sake. You it want does. people to treat you with respect and kindness? Treat them. Don't wait for them to prove kindness to you. Get off that. <laughs> no. You know? No. And no. kindness is a smile. It's an opening it the door. It's a how are you today? You know, it's so many little things, kindness. And, and it takes you out of yourself and you will find that the response from kindness is something that will start chiseling away at your heart and opening up that crack and you will start to really feel good about giving kindness and and the, just receiving the gratitude of acknowledgement from other people yeah it does it very much does as a ripple effect that yeah. when you start doing it and living your life that way it intrinsically becomes a part of who you are and what you do and you don't think about it you just do it right because it's an autonomic, autonomic response to how you decided to live your life. Yes. Do you know, you know Randy it? McNeely? The yes. Of, yes. Yeah. yes. I, I've been following him and, <coughs> and um, he's going to be one of my features on my blog, Kindness Grows Kindness. Wonderful. As a hero. So yes, yes. I'm, I know I, I interviewed him. him and he's wonderful. I mean, again, person coming from the heart. And that's, you know, where, he is. Where, where my heart keeps being overflown is because I'm interviewing people like you who come from the heart. And that's what we need to step into. When we step into our own hearts, we see what we're here to do. We see what is needed. And then we step up to change it up. But it all comes down to us. Don't wait for someone else. It's you. Your life is yours. It what is. can you bring to the table? What do you need to do? Right? So, mm -hmm. <coughs> excuse me. Okay. Not COVID, just a cough. So <laughs> <laughs> Will you please tell people how they can get hold of you? Um, they can find me on Facebook. There's an Unsung Heroes page. Um, Unsung Extraordinary Heroes. I'm on Instagram. Uh, unsung Extraordinary Heroes. You can find me on LinkedIn, Michelle Lang, Michelle Harwood Lang. And if you would like to reach out via email, my email is Michelle, M-I-C-H-E-L-L-E dot E dot Lang, L-A-N-G-E, art, A-R-T number one at gmail.com. If you want to send me a text and you have an interest in being a part of the team that we're building, my phone number is area code 626, telephone number 417-1344. You know, it's back to the village we need to go. 
it is. You know, it's, it's back to community. Um, you know, my 65 years of living, uh, you know, I finally got the message, community, heart driven, everybody's stepping up with a beautiful instrument. Let's make this chorus, get people to dance. And it's people stepping up like yourself. You see a need, you know what needs to happen out there. Now it's the invitation. It's the invitation out there to everyone else and saying, can you see my picture? And if you could see my picture, do you want to be a part of it? And how can we put it together in a way that it all slots together nicely to serve our communities? Because once you set something up in your own community, this now can be duplicated everywhere else. And this is part of the solution that we're seeing to the root of the problem in the policing, where the community is there for the people that have mental problems, physical problems, you know, uh, just emotional problems, instead of the cops turning up with creating a different problem it's the community that needs to step up for the community and we can only do that when we come together agree we have to let the tribe our mm. communities help get back to that basic level of it takes a tribe to raise yeah. a child and it takes a family to be inclusive in a community the drive comes from the family the individual level then the family and then the community and we can't do anything different unless we start to speak up and not be afraid uh -huh. and go um roll our sleeves up and have a go at it i mean this is totally outside my wheelhouse outside my comfort zone but guess what i want to be uncomfortable i want yes. to have a voice because I'm at this place where the universe is saying, you've got a calling and you've waited two years to take care of this. It's time that you stepped up and it's now. But you had to wait for the circumstances. We're in that shakeup of yeah. stepping up. So, yeah. you know, people now can see the vision a whole lot more. You're right. It is all about timing. It is. Agree. And because there were other pieces in the puzzle, you're right. It was all about Legos because there were other pieces of the puzzle that were missing. Yeah. At the time I started writing about this project, about putting the research together, about making um, my thoughts and my feelings and learning more about the issue and if there was really a solution that needed to be found. And now we're at a place, yes, you're, you're right. It yeah. is very much so a shakeup. A yep. wake up. Yep. We know things need to be changed up. We know we're a part of the change. But until we step up, we can't change things up. So no, we that's can't. where we're at, folks. So if you feel invited to step up in any way, whether it's just an idea, maybe you're a structurist, you know, maybe a businessman who wants to put some money, time, or expertise behind it, maybe you're a person who has a skill that would love to share. The whole thing is just reach out. Reach out. You have no idea how anybody fits until you put the pieces there and see if they slot together. Conversations need to start. And from those conversations comes inspiration, which then becomes actionism. So please reach out to Michelle and just start the conversation. You know, where, you know, it's, it's there, it's needed right now. This is not something that we need to put off or, or talk about anymore. It's now time is how do we make it happen? Agree. I'm willing to have a conversation. So come have a conversation with me about this. Enjoy my passion to make this happen. Yes, yes. It's a wonderful idea. It's one I totally agree with. It's a vision I've had of my, for myself for many, many, many years. I'm seeing other people looking at doing it. So, you know, this person's got a vision. That person's got a vision. How about you put your visions together and see what happens? 
right? It's exciting, right? Yeah, it's exciting times. And this is the time where, you know, people prefer to put their money behind a solution, right? So this is it. This is it. Thank you, Michelle. It's been wonderful having you on. Thank you for having me. I I am overjoyed and I'm speechless, (laughs) even though I did a lot of talking, but this has been a wonderful experience. You are an amazing woman and what you bring to the table is incredible. Thank you for having me. Thank you for stepping up, for caring about a life and seeing what's needed and for being an advocate for it and then really wanting to take the action to make it happen. You know, we were, as I said, it's, it's no more talk. It's now action. What are we going to do about it? And you're stepping up. You've got the invitation going. The stamp is on. Off we go. Off we go. (laughs) Off we go. Off we go. All right, folks. So how are you going to make a difference? You know, what was excited you about this podcast? You know, where's, where do you feel you fit? You know, um, is it just an inquiry? You know, is it a solution? Is it um, an idea that you've got? Uh, some of you want to get behind in, in whatever way, reach out to Michelle and let's just get the ball rolling, folks. Get the ball rolling because now is when we need it. Not yesterday, not tomorrow, but we needed it a lot of yesterdays, but now <laughs> today is the day that we step into actionism. So until next time, folks, bye for now. We hope you enjoyed the show. We look forward to bringing you more shows. Please go to selfdiscoverymedia.com slash shows and you will see the incredible lineup of genres and shows that we have for you. We are here to make a difference in your life. Thank you for listening.